0: Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Joe Cervantes and Raz Halili from Pier 6 Seafood coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co host this week. She is the beverage consultant who has worked on the cocktail programs for a number of popular bars and restaurants, including one we're going to talk about in a little bit the new Treebeards in Memorial. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you?
1: I'm well. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, I know you don't like to discuss bad news, but we need to just a little bit because last week, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced that bars would be allowed to reopen at 50% capacity. But he left the decision as to whether that would happen up to county judges. And in Harris County, Judge Lena Hidalgo has said, indoor massless gatherings should not be taking place right now, and that applies to bars. So she is not going to allow bars to reopen, even though we know that many bars have reopened by reclassifying themselves as restaurants. That is not subject to her review. So let me ask you, what do you think about sort of the current state of where bars are at? I mean, is this, uh,
1: I mean, what are you hearing? I mean, didn't I tell you the last time we talked that I didn't want to talk about bad news and this is the first thing you start with Lordy. Um, no, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, it is a it's a really sad state of affairs, you know what I mean. Um, but regardless, nonetheless, we are watching big, vibrose bars uh, that are coming from from out of town and opening up big venues, and people are using using restaurant licenses right now. Um, I think I heard that. I think three thousand different licenses got flipped in the last month or so. That's an incredible amount of bars. It's an incredible amount of bars. It's an incredible amount of spaces that are basically putting, you know, using food as a as as a means to uh, a means to to get business done. And there's pl- there's plenty of bars that, that are still not open. I mean, Anvil is one of our most iconic cocktail bars. They are not, they are choosing not to do that. We're watching other spots, you know, open and flip, and and what you know, and again, another pivot. But I mean, it's just a, a really poor way of managing businesses and managing workers, managing people. Right so, No, I I,
0: I want to get into just a little bit of I, I want to kind of talk about a specific example of this, right? Because better luck tomorrow has reopened as a restaurant, you know, that was the, you know, I I remember very specifically when it opened, Bobby Hugel said, this is a bar. This is like, it's a bar with food. It is not a restaurant. Do not call it a restaurant. And then I think it was Bon Appetit that named it one of the best new restaurants of the year, but,
1: you know, but,
0: but their business model has always been premised on selling more alcohol than food. Now they yeah. have to be 50-50, and we're seeing kind of the, the changes that, right, that the drinks are a little bit cheaper. They're serving lunch now in addition to dinner. They expanded the food menu a little bit. These are the steps that they're taking to alter their business model to stay at 50-50.
1: Yeah, and they're trying to keep their people busy, you know? And I really, I mean, I really like to su- support people like that, you know? There's plenty of people that are like, never mind. I'm not doing it. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to have to pivot like that. But we're watching. You know, we're watching Julep do the same thing. We're watching. Uh, we're watching other other iconic cocktail places that are just having to figure it out because the governor isn't going to help these businesses out. So I don't know. I mean, I've also seen. I've also seen places that are you know before you even order a drink. Uh, order a drink. Hey you need to order food. We have to put food on, on your ticket if you want to have a drink here, you know? And so people are having to kind of take, take chips and, you know, take whatever, whatever food that is, you know, is it making us safer? Um, I don't know. Is it making people stay in compliance of what the, of what these licenses are? I don't know. Do I care? I don't know. I'm exhausted. And I'm sure it's more exhausting than anything for Bobby and everybody else trying to figure out how they're going to make it work.
0: So just to be clear, the way that food makes things safer is if you're eating food, maybe you stay a little more sober. So you're likely to be more mindful of social distancing or wearing a mask when you're seated at your table. And I think that's the explanation for food versus drinks.
1: I don't think, I don't think it's that. I think it's, I don't think it has anything to do with sobriety, you know, or keeping you sober. I think it has everything to do in the style of service, because when you order food, you have to sit in one place and they have to find, you know what I mean? Like, I think that just giving you a bag of chips and letting you sit wherever you want and not knowing who you're going to, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's managing And controlling service. I think that that's the difference in in the safety. I know that personally, I have been to places where I've walked in and I'm like, this is just a regular old bar. You can go and talk to almost anyone. And there's somewhat social distancing, but like you still have to kind of crowd or go to the bar top ultimately. You know what I mean? So if you do have a restaurant license, you you're more likely to have a server come to your table and make sure that you're not cross-contaminating a lot of area and space. So I think that that's really kind of like the biggest difference because just throwing a bag of chips to a bunch of drunks doesn't really make you any any safer, you know. Right.
0: I agree with you that throwing a bag of chips to a bunch of drunks isn't going to make them safer right. The, the important thing in the restaurant style service is keeping people seated in one place. So they're not walking around and mingling and, and all of that. You know, I think what we need to think about is why maybe the Lena Hidalgo won't allow bars that don't serve food to operate in the same, under the same guidelines that restaurants are doing instead of this, this kind of fiction that we have right now where bars are basically operating as they always have, but they're quote unquote restaurants.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's mind boggling that we still don't have any guidelines to safely and properly, you know, let businesses manage their, um, their space. But what do I know? I'm just a cocktail maker. You know, what do I know?
0: Let us move on to topic number two. On a happier note, the new Tree Beards has opened in Memorial. This is in the new office complex on I-10 just east of Bunker Hill. Linda, you created the cocktail menu for Tree Beards. This is the first time that Tree Beards has served. uh, Well, this is the first for Tree Beards in a lot of ways. It's the first Tree Beards that's not located in downtown. It's the first one that's opened seven days a week. And it's the first one that serves dinner. So in addition to all of those things, it also has cocktails. Linda, you created that cocktail menu. So tell us a little bit about the new Treebeards in Memorial.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it was really funny. Uh, last year, I got I got this call and when they asked me for us, for, for me to make, make cocktails for them. And I was like, Treebeards downtown? I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. And so little by little, as they started putting together the building and kind of like, you know, watching the renderings and everything, they actually are a couple of blocks away from Memorial. Uh, I think it's a, it's a high school and it's kind of like nestled right in, in the Memorial, like little thicket of it. And honestly, um, I just went really classics. I did like a plan on a, on a spritz. I did uh, an apple spiced old fashioned. I did obviously a margarita. I mean, nothing really, I, honestly, nothing complicated. Flavors that everyone already knows and wants and likes. I wanted it to be really easy for people to like order, make, and like just be simple, you know? And I think them moving out there is a nice, fresh, new building and set up for them uh it's funny like people were coming in as we were putting in glassware or like you know setting up tables like the first couple of days and like the neighborhood was already trying to stop and like hey is this a new place for us to hang out or oh you guys are gonna have a cocktail i can have a cocktail here oh is there gonna be wine here oh i've never had a drink from them so i think it's i think it's it's gonna do well like Honestly, it's going to be a set it and forget it. I'm really excited to see what what's going to go on over there. Um, that whole neighborhood is getting new restaurants and new bars all the time, and so I think it'll be a nice uh, a nice set in the uh, in the rotation.
0: You know, I agree with all of that, and I, I say that as someone who used to work downtown, both when Culture Map was downtown and in a prior life with a different career. Treebeards is is a really uh, it's it's a really delicious place to eat lunch and it's very affordable, but it only exists if you're a downtown office worker, essentially where or, or you happen to live downtown. And so I, I'm impressed that they're expanding their footprint to other parts of the city and adding dinner service and being open on the weekends because it's going to open them up to many, many people who otherwise never would have been able to try it. And I, you know, I haven't spoken to them directly about this, but I, I'm hoping that this is the first of at least a few new tree beards scattered around the city that will be open for dinner and have cocktails and and all that. Uh, and then we should also add just that uh, there's a bar menu and some dinner entrees created by Matt Marcus, who you know was the the force behind the Itchy Boys, the food truck, and then you know is now with Eighth Wonder Brewery and and is consulted on a whole bunch of other projects. And, uh, I've always really enjoyed Matt's food. I had him on the show a while back and, uh, um, I'm excited to try his, he's got a crab dip. He's got uh, marinated crab claws. He's got doubled eggs. He's got a whole bunch of little, little snacky things that, that should be really fun.
1: Yeah. I think right now people are leaning into like comfort food and, familiar flavors. And so I think Treebeards has that, has that really on So, um, so yeah, just having, having something else from them is, uh, is exciting.
0: All right. Let us move on to topic number three, one more new opening to talk about very briefly. East End Backyard, a massive new patio bar uh, at Sampson and McKinney, basically from Dynamo star Brian Chang. This is Brian's second bar. He partnered with The Kirby group to open Pitch 25. He is on his own for East End Backyard. This is maybe like the, it wasn't planned during the pandemic, but it feels very well suited to it because it's got something like 15,000 square feet of outdoor seating. It's got a relatively small indoor bar. uh, And it also includes like a 3000 square foot dog park, which just sounds like fun to me. Linda, have you had a chance to swing by East End Backyard yet?
1: I haven't. I wonder what the service is like there. I mean, we were just talking about this earlier. Is it get in line? Is it go to the bar? Like, how do they... I want to go check it out, you know? And I like doggies. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a dog person without a dog.
0: Right. You you, uh, live off the the good kindness of your friends with dogs, which is to say people like me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, you know, honestly, I only went for the media preview and so there were very few people at, at the bar. And so we were just going up and getting our drinks. So I don't know if there's sort of table service and, and you know, the food, they have a food, they'll have food trucks on site. That's how they're sort of satisfying the restaurant requirement of, of their operations. But we think that outdoor dining is safer than indoor dining. Uh, We think that, you know, open air is, is safer. So, you know, and and the weather's cooled off. So a place like East End Backyard uh, that has a lot of space that, that allows groups to sort of be apart from strangers. I think this is, this is kind of where we're at right now. This is, this is how we're allowed to socialize in 2020.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of little, uh, a lot of really cute little spots that are opening up, and I think that that neighborhood would do well in having a new outdoor open space because I know that the night shift guys and How to Survive, uh, Voodoo Queen, and a couple of other spots have all kind of like popped up quietly, and in, in, you know, and I think that it'll be a great value to that, you know, to that community. I know that they've got that awesome Thai place. Is it street tie?
0: It's, it's called street to kitchen and that's on Harrisburg. It's a little bit farther East from where East end backyard is, but well, actually I don't want to, I don't want to say that you can definitely bring outside food into East end backyard, yeah. but that would be a really satisfying oh way to use east end backyard would be to go pick up a bunch of fried chicken at street to kitchen and yeah. then pair it with the beers. Uh, the beers or the cocktails at East End Backyard actually that would be a really we or, nice- or, yeah. or,
1: having, or having a pop up there oh I love those guys that would be amazing but what yeah. do I know right
0: alright <laughs> right. so uh, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week we'll be right back with our restaurants of the week stick around Restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about two places. Let's start with Ostia. This is the new Italian restaurant in Montrose from Chef Travis McShane. He is a Houston native, but his culinary experience really starts in New York. He worked for superstar chef Jonathan Waxman for a really long time, and he's brought that kind of ingredient-driven Italian-inspired cuisine to Montrose. Uh, let me just throw it to you. What did you think of our dinner at Ostia?
1: I think it was a damn delight. I loved, I loved the style of the food. I loved the family style, like tasting because we got to try a lot of different flavors. I can't wait to go back and do like do that family style tasting with two or three other people and. The building is gorgeous. They have two patios, savvy cocktail menu. Uh, that dang Sam over there knows what he's doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's be a little bit. Let's be a little bit specific. So, yes, you and I, as the guests of the restaurant, I was invited by their uh, PR firm. They offer a sixty-dollar per person tasting it is sort of designed for groups of four or more, but they will do it for smaller groups and you get sort of three like small vegetable plates to start two pastas uh, and then a couple of mains and dessert. So of all of the things that we had, what were maybe two or three of your absolute favorite
1: dishes? I think probably that silly wedge salad is just so delightful. Or, the, yeah, it was just like a delightful Caesar salad. And their freaking pork chop was so good. Like, and I don't even like pork chops. And I was like, damn it. Ah, oh, so good. I just, I don't know. I really like small. And you g- like the Noki. I, oh my God, the Noki.
0: <laughs> Tell the people about the Noki.
1: So, the Noki is like a seasonal farm gnocchi. So what they do is they do, they do a, a, a just a house-made gnocchi, obviously brown butter, but every week they trade out a different vegetable that comes from the, um, comes from the, uh, from, from the far, uh, farmer's mark, market. And, um, and it was really funny. I was like, Oh my God, I really love the corn and these mushrooms that were in it. He's like, honestly, We've been getting so much damn corn, you know, the, the corn from the farm has been just like abundant, but I'm so tired of freaking corn. So I'm just putting it in everything because I don't want to see it anymore. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, thanks for using us, you know, for, for this delicious little shared app. Uh, Yeah. um, I think that I really love, um, you know, just the little details, the corn, the mushrooms, the salt level and especially with that uh, the Caesar salad had like little tiny pieces of anchovy and salt. And I really like, I, I, I like what they're doing. Service is wonderful and it wasn't fussy and I really enjoy that. So I don't know. What did you think?
0: So, no, I, I agree with you. And actually this was my second visit to Ostia. So you were talking about seasonality or changing the ingredients in the Noki. The first time I went, it had tomato and then he swapped that out for the mushrooms. So you know, the restaurant's only been open for a few weeks, but he's already kind of tweaking, you know, the other thing you kind of have to talk about is the roast chicken. Uh, that is Jonathan Waxman's signature dish. And it is something that Travis is serving at Ostia. It's a very, very tasty roast chicken. It's got this great crispy skin, super juicy, comes with this really vibrant salsa verde, you know, it's a simple thing and it's kind of fragile, right? If you, if you don't roast the chicken properly and the skin, the skin gets soggy or rubbery, then it's not good. Um, but the night we had it, it was delicious. Uh, you mentioned the pork chop. Uh, the reason it's the reason it's so good, even for people who don't like pork chops, is that it's pork chop Milanese, so it's pan fried, uh, which is never a bad thing. And then I really like the rigatoni. This is this is where I mispronounced the word uh, matriciana, spicy sauce, uh, guanciale. And, and, you know, usually that's a Bucatini, which is the, the much smaller tube pasta, uh, but they're doing the house-made rigatoni. It was nicely al dente and it had the right amount of spice for me, but, you know, it's, it's so we did that $60 per person tasting. It's really easy to imagine coming in with just another person. Maybe you get a glass of wine. I get the rigatoni, friend gets gnocchi or... Chicken or whatever, we kind of trade these, start with the Caesar salad, and with those cannoli or that, uh, that house made, uh, sorbet, you know, something really simple. And so you're out, you know, two people under a hundred bucks or maybe right around a hundred bucks, tax and tip. And it's just a, uh, just a satisfying, uh, evening. And then they're also doing lunch and brunch, which we have not had a chance to try. Uh, but there's pizza on the lunch menu. And so I am very eager to go back and try the pizza.
1: They had me at eggs on top of pizza. Like, like when I asked, I was like, so what are you guys thinking about doing for brunch? And the first thing was like, oh yeah, we've got some pizzas. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Like, oh yeah, we've got a couple of eggs on pizzas. And I was like, Hey big girl, what's up? You know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) check that out. All right, let us move on to Permission Whiskey. This is a new bar, but of course it has to be a... It's also a quote-unquote restaurant. It's opened by Peter Nolan, who was the general manager at Federal Grill for a long time. He's also... He's worked around a little bit. He was at Doris Metropolitan while he was getting permission open. It is located on White Oak Drive in the Heights in what used to be the convenience store next to In. I will say... This is a, a really beautiful whiskey bar that has like 350 different bottles on the back bar uh, and plenty of room to expand. All of the kind of stuff that the guys in the the Houston Bourbon Society Facebook group love, love to line up for, you know, Weller Full Proof, uh, Weller uh, Weller Single Barrel, Blanton's e, e H Taylor. You know, it, it has all of those things. Uh, a decent little selection of scotch, uh, some kind of cool agave stuff, like 20, 30 gins, uh, and then charcuterie boards, cold seafood. It's a, it's a cold prep kitchen, so no hot items, but, but that's how they're getting around the, uh, the food requirements. Uh, so Linda, with all of that said, what did you think of permission whiskey?
1: Oh, I I think it's gorgeous. I think they, they needed something like that in that, in that, um, Uh, in that neighborhood. I mean, there's, there's, there's nowhere you can actually get a nice, beautiful, like cocktail there, you know? And I mean, you can at Cultivare and you can at a couple of other places. What about ready room? Oh, I love ready room. I mean, that's just, that's a cocktail bar. That is a definite cocktail bar, but like, just like a whiskey, a whiskey spot, yeah, I, am excited to see how they're going to develop that program, you know? Um, uh, and I only got to to pop in for, uh, what did I end up having? I ended up having like a scotch cocktail when I was there, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a developing thing. And, um, and the fact that it's so damn gorgeous, we're going to see a lot of pretty people be there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I had an old fashioned, you know, I, I haven't, I, I do I want to get a group together. I want to I want to sit on one of those couches. I want to order the big charcuterie board and and get some oysters and and hit that whiskey list. But, you know, I, I started with an old fashioned. It was it was very tasty. It was nicely balanced uh, and it came in this, you know, really elegant, nice, heavy glass. You know, you get the filtered water when you sit down. They're doing table service. Uh, they've got a little bit of outdoor seating. I, you know, I, I think. I think you're right it's less cocktail focused and more whiskey focused than ready room it's a more upscale environment than eight row flint which also has a great whiskey selection and is in that neighborhood and so it just kind of slots in uh it just slots into that neighborhood in in a really nice way and i think it's going to be it's going to be really popular
1: yeah absolutely
0: all right linda that does it for our restaurants of the week thank you very much
1: Cool. Thanks so much for having me.
0: I will be right back with Joe Cervantes and Roz Halili. Stick around. Today's podcast is brought to you by Ranch Rider Spirits. Forget hard seltzers. There is a new canned cocktail available in the Houston market. Trust me when I say you are going to want to try these Ranch Rider Spirits is an Austin-based, real canned cocktail made with premium spirits, sparkling water, fresh-squeezed citrus, and not a drop of added sugar. Plus, they're gluten-free and have 6% alcohol by volume. The three flavors include Ranch Water, Tequila Paloma, and the Chilton. Whether you're out on an adventure, relaxing by the pool, or just looking for something better for you than a seltzer, Ranch Rider Spirits is the can to grab. Available at local liquor stores, including All Specs, Liquor Locations and select Total Wine, Liquor Depot, Goody Goody Liquor, Pinkies and Cactus Liquor Locations. For a full retail list, visit RanchRidersPirits.com. I am joined this week by two of the men behind Pier 6 Seafood, a new restaurant coming soon to San Leon. They're going to tell us how soon. Gentlemen, let me introduce you separately so people can hear your voices. Chef Joe Cervantes, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. How are you,
2: Eric? Glad to be on the show. Doing all right?
0: Yeah, man. I'm doing good. Good. Roz Halili, the proprietor, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. It's uh, good to be with you. Thanks for doing this. Roz, let me start with you. I mean, your family owns Prestige Oysters, which is the company that, I mean, whether kind of people realize it or not, supplies a whole bunch of the oysters at restaurants all over the city and beyond. What made you want to branch out and add restaurants to what you're already doing?
3: Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, we, we you know, we're a large purveyor for, for oysters, not just locally in town, but all across the nation. Um, and we've been that, you know, for many, many years. Uh, a part of me and and my parents have always, you know, wanted to offer, an ex- you know, have an extension of our company and, you know, really express, you know, our passion for the, you know, for the area, for oysters in general and, and seafood and food and hospitality. I, you know, I enjoy, uh, you know, going out, enjoying a nice dinner and, and uh, been able to do so at many places around the world. And, uh, it's just fun to kind of bring those experiences, experiences that I've, that I've had and try to put them in this space. So I'm really excited. Uh, especially because I've got Joe behind the wheel, and uh,
0: you know it's it's, it's going to be a fun time. All right, then Joe. Let me let me bring you in on this. I, I think many people know you from your time at Brennan's, sure. and before we talk about Pier Six, I just kind of want to talk about Brennan's because I remember when you were at Killen's Steakhouse, even before you you kind of went back to Brennan's. Like if it was Thanksgiving or Mother's Day or whatever, and Killen's was closed, you would just go and help out. Right. <laughs> you liked you liked the rush of a restaurant that was gonna knock out like fifteen hundred covers in a night. Right. So what was it like kind of being at Brennan's and being in charge there when that was kind of your like culinary roots, so to speak?
2: Sure, just like getting back in the saddle, you know, you know, working under Danny and, and was there as a sous chef, you know, you as a sous chef, you get you, you get down to the nitty and gritty and you, you know you're on the line, you're jumping on stations, you're pulling people out of the weeds, you know, you're doing those 1300 covers for 12 to 1300 covers for Thanksgiving and all that, you know, so just kind of going back and having to, you know, kind of really step back and really trying to, you know, run things financially and, and, you know, a lot of creating menus, uh, mini menu development for, you know, it seemed like a new holiday was coming up every month, you know, or create menus for us. So, you know, just getting in there and just running it as a chef, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was a bit different than as a sous chef. It was still fun and got a chance to be creative, you know. So, you know, it was a great time. You know, I had, you know, it was a really, really good time. But, you know, when I got introduced to Raz, you know, using, you know, we we bought some of their oysters and used, you know, prestige oysters. And I've known about prestige for a while. And then, you know, once I realized he was up this uh, this project and I heard it was going to be right on the water and you know just kind of going to kind of meet Raza's, you know just to just to kind of hear him out and check out his project that he was working on and I uh, came down here and it was a beautiful location right on the water like I said and so I kind of saw his vision and what he wanted to do and it was already a restaurant before and uh, just kind of seeing what the restaurant was before and what he was wanting to turn it into um, you know, I, I saw his vision and I was, I was hooked, you know, and, and knowing, you know, oysters are going to be coming. I mean, he showed me where, you know, right where Prestige is right around the corner, knowing that oysters were going to be, you know, sourced, you know, a block, block distance away, you know, and, and his, you know, hands to all, all, you know, the fresh seafood that's out there, you know, I was, I was hooked, you know, and I like, I like being in the water, you know, I was from Florida. We'd go down to visit Florida and, you know, the water's a little bit different over there, but you know, just that environment of being out on a boat, you know, wakeboarding and stuff like that. So coming down here, you know, to San Leon, it was my actually my first time out here, but you know, it was like, it was beautiful. You know, it was, the Water was right there. And, you know, so I, you know, I guess it was just kind of, you know, it, you know, it just, you know, it seemed fun, you know, so.
0: <laughs> All right. Raz, uh, what was it about chef Joe that made him seem like the right fit for this project?
3: You know, um, obviously his, his past experiences far perceived you know, his ability to come in here and, and do the job. For me, this guy is one of the he's a top chefs. He's one of the top chefs around town, and uh, he's a very personable guy from the day he came in and saw the space, his professionalism, you know really struck a mark with me. Uh, his attitude has been excellent since the beginning. Just speaking and you know, bouncing off ideas before we even just decided that you know, hey, you know, we're going to do this together. Was just talking. Uh, I've always found I found him to be very professional. And like I said, in the kitchen, top chef. Uh, but not just that, his passion for food, his passion for local food, his seafood. He doesn't just know how to cook. He knows about food. He understands it. He understands. Flavors that work together, he really gets involved with the product, and I think that's really a remarkable key chef understanding, you know, moisture and how it grows, and you know, the times that you eat it, they're great. And same for shrimp and for different other items, he has that knowledge and he's always, you know, looking to learn and absorb. Uh, So, for me,
0: uh, I really, you know, I can't praise this guy enough, but top chef. All right, and then and then kind of talk to me about the vision for Pier Six, because I I mean I'll I'll say the only restaurant I've ever been to in San Leon is Gilhooly's, which I mean I love, I, I'm sure you do too. It's pretty rustic. And kind of looking at the the renderings and, and following you guys on social media and seeing your progress, safe to say Pier Six is gonna be a little more elevated. So maybe just talk us through kind of what your aspirations for Pier Six is or are?
3: Yeah, um, you know I, I I've grown up in this area since I was a kid, um, and I've grown up in Agia since I was a kid. It's one of the few that were allowed in there. Um, and as you say, it is rustic is a, is a good term uh, to put it, and it has its it has its vibe. It is you know it is what it is, and they do a great job at what they do. And uh, I, I still enjoy going to eat there, and I will still continue to go to eat there. And it's not, you know, for me. I didn't want to try to replicate something that was already here. Uh, I wanted to bring in something different, something that's, you know, that unique to me that I feel would work in the space. And you know, it it, it is elevated. Um, you know, if you're comparing it to like Gil Hoolies, but you do have top water down the road, which is uh, a different aspect um, from from Gil Hulis. You know, I took a long time, I took over a year kind of designing this this space, and I wanted people to feel comfortable if they were coming off a boat or coming to celebrate their birthday. And, I, you know, a, a casual, coastal, chic environment is what we were going for. And I really think Football Studio uh, knocked it out of the park with design for us at that. Uh, when you walk this space, you know, you feel comfortable in it, but you also feel it feels fun. And, you know, it feels like a space you just want to hang out at. And that was my ultimate goal. I wanted to create this environment people could just come, relax, want to be there, want to hang out by the water, and you know feel like you know they're away from their stresses and troubles and just hang out and enjoy life. And so far, uh, you know, the few guests and friends that we've had walk through the space, so they've told that you know they you know they feel that. So
0: I'm excited to really get the general public's beautiful spot. And then. Joe, I mean, I mean, your background is, you know, fine dining, steakhouse, like uh, pretty upscale. What, what parts of that are you gonna bring and kind of what are you gonna do to kind of fulfill that vision of kind of a casual, come as you are, coastal seafood spot?
2: Sure, so, you know, definitely have, as far as presentations, kind of scaled back a little bit, you know, you know try to put less things on the plate and mainly focus a lot on flavor from these dishes, so, um, you know, you you think about it visually, don't get me wrong, visually we want, I want these dishes to look really, really well executed, right? But, you know, as far as picking out the china and plateware, you know, we had to go a totally different route and try to, you know, keep things a little bit more casual, rustic, but trying to let the food really speak for itself, um, you know, as opposed to putting all these many different garnishes and components to create one dish, you know, we just, that back just a little bit um you know and so i kind of you know we made dishes that you know that i want to eat and that if i come and sat down at this table this menu you know i want to make you know i want it to be a good balanced menu that you know really kind of delivers so um you know so so yeah i scaled back a little bit on you know you know a lot of the white plates and you know kind of just went a little bit more you know boards jars you know certain things like that. So I, I think the menu is going to be fun, you know, especially in opening, you know, there'll be some fun things. And I, and I, and I know that you've, there's been some little uh, tweaks or some, um, you know, things out there on my Instagram that kind of, you know, we're putting just some, you know, a little bit of some of the dishes that we've been working on out there. So things look a little bit different, but still, um, you know, I want, it, I want us to
0: separate from the other restaurants around here.
2: We want to be like, you know, nothing that's around down here.
0: Yeah, and then, Raz, you said, you know, part of your uh, inspiration is kind of restaurants you've eaten at around the world. Like, what are maybe a couple of examples of, of either dishes or ideas or, or things you've seen in your travels that you're bringing to Pier 6?
3: Yeah, so, um, like, like I said, I'm, my background, I'm Albanian, so I do travel back home quite a bit. Uh, and I have kind of traveled the region in the Adriatic. I've gone to the coast of uh, uh, Montenegro, quite often since I was a kid. And there's one of my favorite spots. It's, uh, it's called Bosco Cello, and they are fresh fish, whatever they caught that morning. The fishermen, that's what you choose to eat, and they knock it out of the park. From you know, from fresh truffles in the region that they're you know creating on top of the, you know of the green sauce or the you know fresh vegetables, and potatoes uh, to the shepherd salads uh, from freshly picked tomatoes. Um, those are kind of some inspirations that, you know, we want to try to draw from them. Um, you know, Branzito-style fish, things, you know, wood roasted, pop lightly, you know, you've got, you know, simple simple ingredients, but really, the, you know, the fish is really the experience, you know, that's the taste. Um, and, you know, some Kuro plates that we've had, that I've had, um, I've, you know, we've been playing around with that with Chef Joe and. Those are some of the elements, not just wasting a fish, but, you know, cooking it and taking those other elements, creating a brutal a plate with it, the diners to experience. Those are some of the things I've experienced and I kind of want to bring to Pier 6.
0: And then, Joe, I mean, like you said, you've, you've been sort of previewing some of the dishes on your Instagram, but uh, maybe for people who aren't following you, like, what are uh, what are some of the things we can look forward to at Pier 6? First well,
2: of all, why aren't people following Joe?
0: Everyone <laughs> needs to follow Joe. Don't, okay. don't. Don't worry. We'll, we'll plug all the Instagram <laughs> accounts at the end, I promise. Well, um, you know,
2: kind of kind of starting with the menu, you know, you, we have a raw bar, right? So, you know, we're going to be shucking oysters at, at the bar that, you know, not only are they are going to be shucking oysters, but there's some crudo dishes and some, some raw seafood dishes that they'll be putting out. Uh, one of them is kind of like a tuna tostada where I pound out the tuna, um, you know, pound it out, cut it into rounds and set it on top of a chip and then kind of garnishing that, you know, something like a light raw um, crudo plate, but it has a little bit of texture something a little bit of fun that, that we're playing around with so we have the raw part in the beginning of the menu which kind of rolls into our uh, our roasted oysters so we've done roasted oysters a few different ways i have one called the hot blooded oyster where um it's more of my spicy roasted oyster that has a compound butter of like habaneros some sriracha some other ingredients in there but it's actually quite nice and refreshing because i hit it with a lot of, um, you know, lemon zest and lime. So you get some of that acidity to break it all up, Um, you know, and so we played, you know, we're going to do oysters here. We got to do it right. So, you know, serving oysters to Raz and his dad and, you know, kind of adjusting and tweaking and, and, you know, uh, you know, we have, you know, kind of finally really kind of nailed it down. And that's the beauty of really not being open yet. You know, we get to kind of tweak out this whole menu and write this whole menu. Then we, we make all these dishes and we adjust it. And, um, you know, that's kind of what's really been the fun part for me is, is is getting to put time in, you know, in these dishes and making sure that they're really done well, thought out, executed the flavor. These aren't just ideas that are, you know, coming through my head that haven't been done yet. Um, you know, practiced all these dishes and tweaked and adjusted. So,
3: um, so safe,
0: safe to say I I've, I've went up a
3: pant size.
0: <laughs> We've- yeah, it's, it's I, I feel really bad for you having to taste test all this stuff. <laughs> said no one ever (laughs) yeah i mean joe this has got to be kind of fun for you because you worked in these environments where there was a pretty rigid like set of criteria for like what is or isn't a dish at brennan's and and you know i mean they've been doing it for more than 50 years you got to give you got to give people what they want but starting with a clean slate has got to be an exciting challenge for you yeah it's it's
2: fun and, and it is a challenge you know you're creating a whole menu from scratch and just trying to make sure that it's well balanced and, and you know definitely you know there's you know, trying to make sure that there's something on there for everybody, um, whether it's capturing you know a lot of locals bring you know bringing in people from out of town, you know uh, you know so trying to balance everything together you know uh, at the same time trying to make sure our menu is very cost effective and um, you know people are not going to get sticker shock when when they come in and eat you know so all these factors come into play when in creating and writing this menu same time it's got to be fun and um everything everything has to hit all cylinders so you know that's
0: it's kind of where we're at with it and then raz you said you've uh, you've been designing the restaurant or you've been working on it for a year so so kind of what what will it look like like what's the vibe like what are you what are you kind of going for
3: uh, you know yeah it's it's more like a coastal chic environment so you walk in and you know there's there's a lot of if you if you were to take like a a modern, it's, as modern concepts, but with softer tones and elements of the space. A lot of natural wood environment. Um, you get a lot of nautical peons. So very contemporary, but toned down with the natural tones of the wood uh, and, and, the, and the whiteness. And, you know, it's kind of topped throughout the uh, floor space. When you walk in space, it feels elevated, but you know it feels elevated in a way that you don't feel like you, you have to have a coat on. Feel like you're in a fun shirt and you can come and just sit down and enjoy the food. And you know, it's not you know, it's not to say that it's going to be so so relaxed to where we're just you know it's napkins, you know, napkins and, and, and cups. I mean, Joe is being modest when he says the presentation of the food it really does look good on the plate. And we're striving for hospitality. Like service is very important to us. and Like I want people to understand. this, this is when they're coming to work at Pier Six, we're a hospitality restaurant. The moment the diner walks in the door, the moment they leave, it's a team collective effort to have a dining experience that they enjoy, a fun, friendly environment.
0: And then, how is how is it going? I mean, what are you? Do you have an opening date kind of in mind, or, or when when will we be experiencing this?
3: If we don't stop adding things very soon. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we there's a few tweaks and turns that we're having to make adjustments with due to, you know, Jackson you know, County health codes. So they, you know, give us some pushback on some stuff. And being it's my first restaurant, lack of experience in my, that department. Uh, Joe comes from Harris County. So kind of different, you know, they, they go by different sets of rules. So uh, it's been a bit of a challenge uh, on some certain things, but we're, we're working through it. Um, we, our plan is to be open. You know, sometime this month. You know, hopefully, within the next, you know, two to three weeks. But uh, like every day, we're in here, morning, afternoon, evening. Uh, we're working around the clock to make this thing happen.
0: And has uh, has COVID changed anything about the way you're setting up the restaurant or, or uh, getting ready to open?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's like everyone, it's changed the way you know you've had to kind of. Like, operate but Thankfully, the space is quite open. Um, and, you know, when we designed it, it was designed originally, so people can feel like they have their own space. So, um, like in the beginning, you know, we're going to be you know looking through the CDC guidelines and you know, the TRA's recommendations for us, you know, seating and
0: how close they are to each other and, and things of that nature. So, so there will be a, a process. All right. And then and then I just want to I want to shift from the restaurant just a little bit. Uh, and I want your I need your insight as an oyster expert. OK, let's do it is. It has, it has been a traumatic hurricane season with a lot of storms in the Gulf. Um, has that had an effect on the oyster beds? Like what kind of oyster season are we uh, potentially looking at here as we get into the fall and the colder months?
3: Yeah, so, so one thing, thankfully, is that we, you know, tech, the Texas coastline hasn't taken a extremely dramatic hurricane like Louisiana has in the past two weeks with two hitting in. So as far as Texas, I think we'll have a good season, uh, as we did last year. Uh, there was a portion from Galveston, all over to South Texas. So I'm not too concerned with Texas. Louisiana did take a hit, um, but... The environment's different. Those oysters kind of grow in a different environment, a muddier texture compared to Texas' bottoms. So uh the areas where those storms hit in Cameron is really not the larger populations of oysters in the state of Louisiana. Um so I, I think uh, I'm confident it'll be, you know, a, a good season for oysters in Texas. Louisiana has, has you know, it's been struggling on the state side. Uh, in oysters, it's the BP oil spill due to uh, due to that, and also freshwater diversions that they have. So it's really most of the private sector sector in Louisiana that produces the Gulf of oysters now uh, in that state. And for the most part, Texas Texas is the major producer in the Gulf Coast of oysters, and uh, one of the largest, if not the largest, in the, in the country.
0: Yeah, I I was recently sort of bemoaning. Uh, I, I periodically get nostalgic for like 25 cent Gulf oysters or, you know, $6 for a dozen Gulf oysters. I mean, would you say those days are probably pretty much gone? Uh, I,
3: you know, unfortunately I would have to, um, you know, when, when you think about the history um, of oysters and, you know, the cost of everything, the cost of, that we've had to adapt to in the industry, help regulations to lower the limits on catch, and you know, things that happened historically, like if you tear up many of the county roads throughout the state, they're made of oyster shell. They got there by dredging the Galveston Bay and other, area, other areas. And we now learned that that's not a very smart thing to do uh, because our reefs have deteriorated due to those mass dredgings. It's not overfishing that happened, it was mass dredging ship channels and building roads centuries and centuries ago. So fast forward, it's really been on the private sector to really make the investments to really recreate that population. And the states have done that through funds, through the Deepwater Horizon funds that were allocated. They've made some investments. But we've seen that, but the costs in the business are much higher. Um, but I'm hoping at Pierce 6 to be able to offer diners a very, very solid happy hour so they can come in and maybe experience those 25 cent oysters for a happy hour
0: like, like you were. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I, I mean, you know, I, I live inside the loop. So, you know, if you want me to drive to San Leon, you gotta, you gotta give me something. So 25, okay. let me say 25 cent oysters are a reason to drive, uh, to drive all that way. I
3: agree. A hundred percent. We're going to have fun with that. And I, I definitely want to be able to, to, to offer that to customers so they can really, people have eaten oysters and they're expensive to eat. So I want to be able to have an happy hour where people just,
0: I'm um, get full on wishes. <laughs> um, all right, Joe. Let me. Uh, we can we can wrap this up here in a minute. But let me just uh, let, tell me tell me one thing about San Leon that you've learned since you started working down there that you didn't know when you uh, when you started, or or give me one funny San Leon story. Oh man, Eric. Um, I don't know if I have one yet.
2: You know, uh, funny San Leon stories.
3: He accidentally went into the local store with his shirt on.
2: Oh, yeah. So, I mean,
3: a Huge classic, faux pas. Classic mistake. You have to take your shirt and your shoes <laughs> off.
2: It's a beautiful city, Eric. Love the locals down here. So, okay, I'll come visit this at Pier 6.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Roz, I'll, I'll tell you, I many years ago, Rob Walsh did a A book signing for sex, death and oysters at your facility. And I, I wasn't a writer then I was just the guy who liked oysters. And I, I drove down there and, and got to meet Rob for the first time. And, um, it's an impressive place. I mean, I just remember there was like a conveyor belt with oysters guys would like shuck them. And then the, the oyster would go, you know, the oyster would go in a jug and the shell would go down the line to be, disposed of or whatever, you know, and that's how people get the, the raw ingredients for, you know, fried oysters and, and dishes like that. And um, so I'm excited about this. Cause I, I, I just feel like you guys are really invested in the, in the product and the, and the ingredients and, and the coast. And um, I'm really looking forward to kind of what you guys have come up with.
3: I appreciate that. And, you know, we look forward to being able to bringing some of those experiences as, as we, as we grow some legs under this restaurant, being able to do some different things, whatever, whether it's cruise tours to reefs, um, you know, through, through wine dinners where you know you're pulling oysters in from different areas, or maybe just a tour of the facility, things of that nature. Things we really want to grow into the restaurant. So, um, when people are really passionate about about the food that they eat, like yourself and myself, um, I, I think it's going to be a fun experience, and I hope we to get there very soon.
0: All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Raz, let me start with you. What is your favorite cookbook? Um,
3: Sex, and Oysters.
0: It's a good answer. Joe, how about you? Um, I like
2: the Le and cookbook uh, um, on the line. You know, just wa- looking at the whole timeline on where the, where the product walks all the way, um, you know, from, from their Book schedule to everything. Their whole timeline. That's, I kind of find that fascinating.
0: They have some good recipes in there as well. So. All right, Joe. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Oh man, I'm
2: not good at this. Stuff. Uh, Ice Girls.
0: <laughs> I think it would have to be Buzz All right, Raz. How about you? Uh, It was my brother's band when I was a kid, so
3: definitely that was the first band I've seen.
0: All right, your first, like, famous band.
3: Famous band. Um, uh, Honestly, it might have been Bus Fest when I was in high school, because I think that's the first concert, like, my mom let me go to when I got my driver's
0: license. That's a a very Houston answer. All right. Uh, Raz, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present?
3: Past or present, I would say, you know, Hakeem the Dream. Got to go with it, you know? Brings Brings home the gold.
0: Joe, how about you? Uh, I'd say JJ Watt. And then Joe, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Whataburger. Raz? Uh, Chick-fil-A all day. All right. And then here's the last question. When you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? Me, I'm a straight cheese guy all day. I mean, no such thing as bad pizza. So
2: <laughs>
0: For me it'd be pepperoni. All right. Now now's your chance. Give us the website, give us Instagram, all all of the things so that people can stay in touch with what you're doing.
3: All right. So the handles we got Pier6seafood.com. Instagram is Pier Six Seafood and Oyster House. Facebook. I think you just Google pier Six Seafood and Oyster House as well, it'll come up. I don't know Joe's Instagram handle.
2: <laughs> it's uh Cervantes. Um, my handle. I
3: think mine's right.
2: at I'll underscore
0: Alili, uh, at Instagram All right, and I will link to all of those things in the Culture Map article that accompanies this podcast. You're Gentlemen, ma'am. thank you so much for doing this.
2: Thank you, Eric good talking to you, buddy.
0: You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening I'll be back next week.